further up and further in. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey Amy, we are so delighted today to bring the second part of our self-leadership series that we're here today with your dad, John Kaplan. Our special guest. Mm -hmm. It's nice to be back. (laughs) He's got so much wisdom, we needed at least two episodes to even touch on it. Exactly. So where are we going today, John? Well, last time we talked uh, about self-leadership and how do I show up at my best. That's always the precursor. If you have nothing to give, then uh, then you can't help other people. So it's really important that you take care of your own stuff, but also your own well-being. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you're frustrated or depleted, then you bring that to the table and it never shows up well. Mm-hmm. It's so true. So true. There's an analogy. I'm going to jump in because I love this analogy. It's where we're, it's kind of like we're all on a web. And if we are helping someone else repair their part of the web, but at the same time taking a match to our part of the web, we're actually not helping. We're just transferring crap around. Yeah, another way someone has described it is like on an airplane, they always tell you uh, if, you know, if the plane's going down and the oxygen masks come down, put yours on first because, you know, if you pass out, you can't help anybody else. So make sure that you got yours on when you start to help others. And, you know, it's not one or the other. It's both and, mm, you know, yeah. to be to be uh, fulfilled and God honoring, take care of yourself, manage your own stuff, look after what goes on inside you. And you need to learn how to be a benefit to the people around you. And some of my self-leadership has been about recognizing that it's my job to say no so that I can say yes. Mm -hmm. And so when someone's drowning, for example, which is Mm -hmm. along the lines of your analogies that you're using, the drowning person isn't concerned for your well-being. They're Mm -hmm. concerned for theirs. And so the needs of the world around us will always pull on us because people are very aware of their desperate needs. So crawling to the other side of the web or putting their mask on first is going to be their most urgent priority. Their priority is not going to be me putting my mask on so I can help them. So you've really helped me, John. You've really helped me realize my fiercest, most significant responsibility is that I take care of that because no one else is going to say to me, you should go put your oxygen mask on unless I've just really acted inappropriately with them. And they've gone, hmm, maybe you need some more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> or food. Yeah. Or, 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 or. Yeah. Hey, we have our halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and we add halt hormonal. Yeah. That those are the times where we're not always going to show up well and we're probably going to be more susceptible to seeing things through the filter or hearing the enemy's voice and acting on that stronger than when we aren't hungry, when we're fed well, we have community, and when our hormones are not bonkers. And the part that's really powerful about all of that is when you manage that, you show up in a consistent manner, which allows for trust to be built because people know what they're getting Mm. rather than, is this the the frustrated one? Is this the angry? Should we go in and see this person today or not? And it creates an inconsistency, which diminishes trust. And so it's really important to take care of ourselves. But that's not the end of the story. We do have a responsibility to the people in the world around us to uh, provide environments and do our part to benefit their lives. Mm -hmm. And we can't control their lives. And it's not our responsibility to, to be God in their lives. But, you know, 
when you have people around you that deeply care about you and seem to be interested in you, we all seem to flourish in that kind of environment as opposed to where nobody seems to care about you and everybody's doing their own thing. So yeah, as we manage ourselves well, we actually have a better, more positive impact on the world around us. And I always like to point out that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm not a leader because you don't have a title, everybody... If you live with another human, if you work with another human, if you go to the grocery store, you interact with other humans and you make a difference in the world around you. So yes, this podcast is for you. And if you uh, change leadership to influence, which the most powerful leadership is influence. Such a better word, actually, as I'm thinking this through. Influence mm-hmm. is uh, is everywhere. You know, even the most humble, quiet person can influence people positively by their presence. Yeah, I'm just thinking right now of a particular senior who's, you know, would say they're past their flourishing productivity time in their life, but they're living in a home where they constantly are impacting and influencing people around them. It doesn't end. Yeah. Yeah, so we first manage our internal world, which we talked about quite a bit in the last podcast. So if you didn't catch that, listen to part one. Here in part two, we're going to talk just a little bit more about why that's so important because of how we do influence people around us. Mm -hmm. And how do we... How do we show up in such a way and act in such a way that we call the best out of others? Uh, how do we provide an environment where other people feel like they're challenged to, to be at their best, uh, that they're given permission to try, even though it might not always work out, uh, that their thoughts are valued, that they're actually called upon and reflected upon? in a meaningful way. They're respected. Like all of those kinds of things are the kind of influencing characteristics that we do. And of course, at the heart of it all is we deeply care about people. We're concerned about what is best for them. So dad, how exactly do we do that? Well, I think we look to Jesus. How did he go about it? Mm. Was he a pushover? Mm. Definitely not. There was times when he said, here's the mirror and it have a look. Doesn't look great. Yeah, right? you mm-hmm. ugly, whited graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> you vipers, you brood of vipers. Yeah. I, I, you know, the word encouragement, I think, is a powerful word. Parakaleo. Uh, it's the word that is used in John 14 through 17 for the, the Holy Spirit, paraclete. Mm-hmm. And the translators could never quite, there's a variety of ways, the helper. Because mm-hmm. encouragement is is helping people, just how do I help you? Your burden's a little heavy here. How do I help you? How would, what would make your mm-hmm. life just a little bit easier in this set? So that's the helper. There's also, uh, when a person is also, this paracolette was used uh, to describe when a person was at the breaking point, that you did something that helped them continue on. You can make it. You can mm-hmm. do this. I'm here, you know, just, <clears throat> I know it's tough. Let's keep going. You know, there's times, and I think John Maxwell described it best in that kind of scenario. He says, every leader brings a bucket of gas and a bucket of water. Good leaders know when to pour the gas on to get things going again, and when to pour the water on it when the flames are burning out of control and going to cause harm. Uh, poor leaders do the reverse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I was just thinking, I was like, oh, throwing gas on a fire and throwing uh, water on water. Yeah, when a person's <laughs> just about discouraged. You know, you know yeah. pour it on to really frustrate yeah. him. So that, that idea of providing the right kind of comfort. And the, the next one was, uh, uh, you know, in terms of paracolette and, and ways translators. So that was translated comforter, but it was also described when you 
uh, we're a character witness, an advocate for a person. Mm-hmm. I know this person. I know what you can do. This mm-hmm. is who mm-hmm. you are. You know, that kind of voice. And that, again, just talking about the spirit, but this is what encouragement is. And the final one is this idea of calling people to nobler deeds and higher thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay, the word encouragement. Doesn't quite a, cover that. It's a lame translation <laughs> to all the depths of it. Yeah, so it's that idea of, uh, you know, others might be like this, but we're not. Mm. You know, yeah. others others might be able to act that way, but we're called to something higher than that. You and I mm. have a, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of. So when you think about how we do it, I think the word of encouragement has a lot in it that helps us uh, act situationally to where people are at. Do we need to call forth something? Mm-hmm. Do we need to challenge them to nobler deeds and higher thoughts? Do we need to just be down there and say, this is tough. It just really sucks. But you will make it. I'm here with you. Jesus will help us. You know, uh, is it just what would make it easier today? Mm. You know, and the depth of that is quite pronounced when you start to think of how that manifests itself in, in real life. So you talk about being healthy yourself so you can be a good, mm-hmm. effective leader. Mm-hmm. And you talk about two things in leadership. You talk about competency and character. Mm-hmm. So in this leading of others from the depth of the wealth mm-hmm. of what's inside of us or lack of what's inside of us, not being a good leader, we're looking at competency again and character again. Yeah, we are. So you're, you're talking about skills of encouragement, of knowing how to call out the best in people, create opportunities for their flourishing. Mm-hmm. The character part of it. Where does our self-leadership come into how well or not well we lead others from our character? Well, in organizations, the most powerful thing is culture. Hmm. The most powerful part of culture is not words, but behavior. Hmm. Paul's leadership mantra, follow me as I follow Christ. What you've seen in me and heard in me, uh, you know, those kind of put that into it. Because what he recognized is people become like those they respect or those they perceive to be leaders. I worked for 13 years in an executive position in a denomination. It amazed us how dysfunction would, tra- would, would go from generation to generation. Churches, seemed to, same churches, would have problems from generation after generation. And then you'd have others that would... Uh, they just didn't seem to who was the pastor. They just seemed to have great things always happening. It's because the culture was perpetuated by those that were leaders, and it remained after they left. Mm. So you can't actually fake lead very long. Not if you're in community. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I hear you say is the key is to isolate yourself in leadership so that you can just do whatever you want and fake it. Yeah, just like Jesus did. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, he gathers 12 so they could be with him. They actually traveled around, saw him when he hadn't had sleep, saw him when he hadn't had food. They saw him in his life, like every aspect of it. And uh, and they remained uh, highly committed to him because they saw him in all of these various times and he Mm. got to be with them in their worst and their best yes (laughs) yeah as you're talking about jesus as the example i'm like yeah i want to follow jesus in my leadership but i also recognize that somewhat horrifying vulnerability that Mm -hmm. if i'm going to lead authentically people are going to see that i'm not quite as quite 
quite like Jesus all the way yet. <laughs> uh, yet, mm-hmm. we're creating an environment. Mm-hmm. So, environment of vulnerability, mm-hmm. but an environment of grace. Yeah. Mm. I mean, all of us need grace. Yeah. Hence why Jesus came. Yeah. So, for me, that looks like keeping things short and quick. Like, I recognize I kind of screwed up there. I'm going to say to you, I am sorry. I did not speak to you the way that I really feel, feel you're worthy of being spoken to. I'm going to be quick about that. But stage two is harder for me, actually. I've got the confession part down, but receiving grace, like this letting myself receive the fact that I'm actually not quite like Jesus yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i worthy of grace. I'm actually worthy of Amy extending grace to me. So follow that through uh, uh, logically. If you do that and mm-hmm. others start to do that, that they're, they're vulnerable. Yep. And they ask for grace. Is that the kind of environment you'd like to live in? I want my no. people to experience that so much. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have to keep offering forgiveness for the exact same things uh, perpetually, yeah. then after a while it kind of is like, you know, it'd be nice if you worked on that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> then we're just enabling something after a right. while. So it's a combination yeah. of grace and accountability. Yeah. Between mm-hmm. the, you know, grace and accountability. Yeah. Right. And, because and Amy not would, one or the other. Amy would say to me, you just probably need some more sleep <laughs> or food or, yeah. you know, time by yourself because she knows what makes me tick. And so we don't enable dysfunction. No. But man, as far as giving and receiving grace, I think we have room to grow with air and what that is genuinely looks like. Mm-hmm. Not a culture of punishment and shame. But we all, we all enjoy grace. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable, but so necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's humbling. But, oh my goodness, there's so many good scriptures. The Lord gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Like, right. think that through. And right away, I'm going, okay, I'm, we'll, we'll do the humility path. I'm up for that. Mm-hmm. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Yeah. So there's that sort of end <laughs> of a spectrum. Uh-huh. And on the other hand, our inward self-leadership character growth can, or lack thereof, can really sabotage good leadership. Mm-hmm. Because... Sometimes it's frightening to watch other people flourish. What does that mean about me? So let's start talking a little bit about that end of the character spectrum and how we influence other people. How are we, are we afraid to encourage them and create space to flourish them because of our own insecurities? Yeah, and, and that goes back to some of the uh, difficulties that we have uh, generally in all aspects, which were around pride, mm-hmm. fear, insecurities, these kinds of things will continue to thwart us. Yeah. So for me, there's been a fear of stepping up, showing up and flourishing right. because other people will want to put you down. Sure. So there's that. Uh, I think the Australians call it tall poppy syndrome. If one yeah. poppy stands taller than the others in the field, people walking by have a compulsion to knock the head off that one. Yeah. We see that in our culture and news all the time. So they yeah. just this compulsion to put people down that are succeeding and flourishing. So my own character development has been partly acknowledging I need to show up, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. And on the other end of the spectrum is, I can encourage other people to shine without feeling like it diminishes me. Right. Yeah, and and keeping those two things in tension, Mm -hmm. I want to be at my best. uh, And that doesn't mean that I can't allow others to be at their best. It's not a competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and It's a collaboration. Yeah, and there's not like a limit to the bestness Mm -hmm. amount. (laughs) Or that there's not space for multiple types of awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think think what you said, a competition. I think a lot of times 
we get sucked into it is a competition and there's winners and losers. And if someone else is winning, that means I'm losing. Yeah. And you and I've talked about that a lot in a couple of different podcasts. I don't know how often people say to me, I'm just so glad Amy's part of your team because I just find her more relatable. That's so fun of you to share that with me. <laughs> and my opportunity for my own internal response is has, has gone to two things. That says something really good about me that you feel comfortable to say this to me. Exactly. I, that's I mean, how so I'm that choosing to frame it. Right? It totally is that like, <laughs> hey, Michelle is so relatable and open that I will tell her I prefer someone else over right. her. It is a, a, interesting. And <laughs> the other part of it is, man, I'm so grateful God put us together yeah. because together we're able to reach exponentially more people than I'd be able to on my own. And what is the point? The point is not the Michelle show. The point yeah. is leading others into a flourishing place of knowing they're deeply loved by God. Mm-hmm. And reminded too that, um, you know, Corinthians talks about in the body, there are many members. If we were all eyes or ears or, you know, what would the body be? We super messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of weird. And even the most unseemly parts, he has given special grace to. Mm -hmm. That there might be a quality or, you know, a sense of appreciation and valuing of all of the pieces, even the ones that are kind of not quite as fun to be around, but they're very important to the life of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God said. So if you have a disagreement with that, talk to him about it. <laughs> I actually seriously have asked God, show me what you see in this person because I see nothing but a roadblock and an inconvenience. Mm. Mm-hmm. And But you see something here. You create it. And the more that I start to thank him for how he wired the parts of that person, I would like to direct them to our podcast and maybe to some personal coaching so they can round out those skills. But the truth is, is I can value even the essence of what I can see that God designed in his original plan. It sure is a lot easier for me to be a positive influencer in their life. Oh yeah. Cause then you can encourage cause you're calling out the qualities of them. They're call- you're calling out their destiny and calling and what God has placed in them. So you're doing encouragement. You're helping people show up at their best. Yeah. You can be an advocate for those things that God has put in their life and you see, and you can still call them to nobler deeds. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so it comes back again to that self-leadership of, I'm in charge of my own irritation and impatience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are not fruit of the Spirit, actually. They're warning signs. They're communicating something to me. They're telling me something I need to pay attention to. But my self-leadership, I have to anchor myself in Jesus and his great love for all the imperfectness of me and others. So that I can then be an expression of that. Mm-hmm. And the and in the help helping others to show up at their best, that is not forcing people, that is not demanding they change, that is not putting all the crap on them, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, because I think Well said, Amy. Yeah, well said. Thank you. <laughs> I, you well, need some I, encouragement. I, I, we're I here think, for you. I think sometimes what happens is, or maybe what can happen for me is that I'm going to help with air quotations, which kind of turns into a false responsibility control because I know what's best for the other person to show up. Therefore, I will help them be my definition of best. But that's not what this is about at all. This is about how helping others to show up to their best, not what I think it is. And to appropriately utilize their giftings, abilities, personality, etc. We'll, we'll often talk in the Berkman stuff that we've used, you know, the, the, the quadrant, various quadrants and stuff. But there's ones that are opposites. And we mm. say to them, these two ones are most conflicting yeah. or complementary. Your mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Say that part again. Yeah. These, these opposites are most conflicting with you or most complementary, your choice. Can you give us an example of that? Just to like really put it in a practical, so people understand, is it conflicting or complementary in each other? Or is it, hey, I'm highly analytical. Michelle's highly yeah. intuitive. We could either be well, there's, contrasting or complementing each other. Well, there's a, a world that you might know. The woman that I love and I'm married to yes. uh, has some differences in approaches than I do. Mm. Incredibly creative. You know, likes to kind of gather lots of information. Uh, intuitive with people. Yeah. You know, kind of senses things. I'm analytical, uh, tend to be quite direct. Uh, I'm a hunter-gatherer when we go shopping, not looking at a thousand things to see which one is nice. You know, Because why do you need to look at a thousand things if you already right. know what you want? Anyways, that's a so side it, note. <laughs> so, so that can be conflicting mm, yeah. or complementary. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on your view. It all depends on your view and how and how you understand that person mm. and the grace that you give them and all those kind of things. Because it does rub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Amy I, said, I give, us an ex- yeah. give us an example, all I could think of is marriage. Like, yeah. so much. Because it's such a close, close relationship. And it, I always laugh and jokingly say, you know, the thing that attracted you to them was an opposite, and it's been driving you crazy ever since. And to reset that, it's all about going back to honor. Honor means to place value on something. So as yeah. soon as I stop fighting with it and trying to make it something that doesn't conflict with me, yeah. I just I constantly go to, thank you, God, for... For this. Yeah, and when I honor that with placing value on it, it becomes a blessing, which becomes a compliment to me. So if you even just stand back and look at your own marriage, if you're married and you go, or that conflicting relationship, whether it could be a sibling, could be a coworker. The other part of that, too, is that it also starts to impact us and just our character mm-hmm. and brings those strengths. They start to uh, infiltrate you yeah. and become a part of Because you say, that was amazing. Like, I... Do you see what I like? I would have just gone in there and blown that up, but this part it went in there and it was a great result. How in the world did that happen? Mm-hmm. And then you start to look at it, and then after a while, and you know, this is being married for very long, you start to absorb some of those characteristics. Now, sometimes you absorb the wrong ones, but but a lot of times that you absorb those things which tend to be very, very powerful. And this is the same in all human relationships, mm-hmm. we're like that. We are influenced by people that we value. If we don't value them, we we, we find conflict, yeah. polarized conflict. But when we value them, we start to, there's things about them. You think, I, I learned from you. Mm-hmm. I learned this from you. And your life is really richer and better because you're honoring something that's different, that has the potential to be, just be a pain in the rear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually remember one thing from our pre-marriage counseling, and we always joke about how can I remember one thing for all the multiple sessions. But I remember the pastor asking me, what do you know is going to, annoy you but that you're and what is your strategy for how you're going to deal with it so I actually always use this question now when I do pre-marriage counseling with people and I remember saying I already can tell it's going to drive me nuts how long it takes him to make a decision because I'm very decisive and I hardly ever regret my decisions actually so I see that with frustration sometimes and what I promise to do is always remember that he makes such good decisions and I will thank God for that and we laugh about like 23 years later we still talk about I remember that I covenanted this I picked it and I still go to, while I'm waiting, two weeks for him to come to the same decision I already decided, because mine are so right, right? You could <laughs> Thank you, God, that he makes such good decisions. He makes such good decisions. I'm so thankful. So thankful for his capacity to analyze, because as a dreamer, you know how 
analysis can make you go, you're just pooping on my dreams. So this intentional honor value thing, <laughs> Amy's making faces. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're talking to two analytical people. Yep. So it's like, hmm. Yeah. And Here I, I have that on somebody's dreams, has Amy? been brought up to me before. <laughs> <laughs> but that valuing, right? And so mm-hmm. you can't control the other person, but if the other person can also go, and I, for certain, my husband has said this, I love how she can dream. Now, I don't think he feels that way every time I'm dreaming, (laughs) but he has said, I love how she can dream. I have made his life rich by my capacity to foresee and envision and dream of things that he wouldn't have thought of on his own. Mm. So this complementing rather than conflicting. Right. And and again, as we transfer this outside of just that one relationship to all of these others, we see some principles about how we get the best out of other people, mm. uh, valuing their contribution, uh, giving them space and place to bring what they bring to the table, respect of that uh, invitation to mm-hmm. participate rather than uh, I want more people like me around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we need a bit of both, all, don't we? Let's get all the bulldozers together mm-hmm. and we'll see what we can plow up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Yeah, and that comes back to self-leadership that we talked about in the first part of this, the reality of the necessity of the full spectrum of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The full spectrum. What in this moment, as I do my little self-check when I can feel my blood pressure starting to rise, Holy Spirit, come. Mm -hmm. Because if I respond in this situation with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, long-suffering, all those things, something better is going to come out of this situation than if I just come in with the smackdown of I'm right and actually you're wrong. Years ago, I uh, was on a sabbatical. It's the only sabbatical I've ever had. And I'd been doing the same job for 10 years, <clears throat> living at a frenetic pace, traveling a lot, all that kind of stuff. And during the sabbatical, I noticed there was less idiots on the road. <laughs> That's such a good It's amazing. Example. You took a break, and all of a sudden, people got better at driving. Weird. And I, and I, you know, it was one of the things I recognized. I said, you know, I just feel more calm when I'm driving. And I realized that part of that... Uh, frenetic pace, not input, having input in my life, not taking time, that it, it impacted how I was dealt with all of these, the world around me. And how did that affect dealing with my family? How did that affect when I was dealing with churches and leadership? You know, I'm only here for this time. Don't you get it? You know? <laughs> and so, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, once you recognize you have to own it, but it does impact others. And then, you know, being more patient, understanding the process is really important. Sometimes it just takes time for people to gab, grab things and learning how to talk to yourself in such a way as, you know, and the Lord will help you through this and he's patient. And so we need to be patient, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it, I noticed that around me, people uh, started to flourish in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this comes right back to the beginning of the podcast where we use the analogies, put your own oxygen mask on first. So as we are looking at being positive influencers on the world around us, we have to take care of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And this can look different for everybody. Like I wonder if you, the three of us even said the things that I most need to do to take care of myself, uh-huh. they'd be different. Right. So we actually have to stop and become aware what helps me show up as a better person. And one of the things that surprised me, because every personality test I had done before had me as an extrovert, but I always knew that I also need time by myself. And so it was when I was working with you, John, and we did the Berkman assessment that I was like, I actually have a valid need for times of solitude and quietness so that I show up as an effective extrovert. And no one had ever told me that before because I'd only had the two boxes. So now I know in my week, I have got to block off some time where I'm actually not physically in proximity to somebody else. Right. I can go for a walk. 
I can say I'm not inviting anyone over at this time because that's tricky to do. I have a life that's full of people that I really, really love and I want to treat them well. I learned, uh, uh, for me, I need to spend time working with my hands, mm. fixing or building something. Because if I don't do that and I'm working with people, I, after a while I want to fix and build them. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. liked the feeling someone else was fixing or building me. Right. And, and so I just noticed that people aren't as responsive to that. <laughs> so your leadership would not be as effective. So yeah. if I want to be a great leader, I spend time in my garage. Mm. Mm. That's so cool. Because it could be seen as being selfish. The same as I've got to go for a walk by myself. Well, what is her problem? She's just so blah, 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 blah. Or John. Like he's just out there in his garage and he doesn't even care about me. Yeah. No, actually, you're caring about me well by taking care of this need so that when we show up in proximity to each other, it's going to be actually a delightful experience. Yeah. It's better for both of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So sometimes, because of culture and religion and just humanity, we don't recognize that we're actually doing a good job being a positive influencer by taking care of ourselves. And um, you've helped me really address the importance of this by asking me, what are you like when you don't take care of yourself? And I think I said, an impatient, angry old bag. <laughs> and so how would you like to be around that person? And your time? eyebrows kind of went up. It's like <laughs> but when I frame it that way, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person to my children. I don't want to be that person to my spouse. I don't want to be that person to my church. I don't really want to be that person at the grocery store. There's nowhere where that's the influence I want to have on the world. So as soon as I look at it that way, so ask yourself, dear listener, how do I show up when I haven't taken care of myself properly? It, it really is an aspect of uh, how do you love yourself? What? Mm. That's selfish. So that you, <laughs> selfishness is when you want the world to adapt everything to you mm. and you want everything to be about you. Taking care of yourself uh, so that you can be a positive influence for others is actually being responsible. It's with the stewarding. Gifts God, stewarding the gifts that God has given you. Stewarding you. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes is this guy who he wanted to burn out for the Lord. He said, the Lord gave me one horse to ride and I killed me horse. <laughs> and what he was talking about was he destroyed his body. Mm. <laughs> It, because he just didn't take care of himself. And, and was he saying that was a good thing? No, he okay. was, uh, he said I was I, I, I was at the end of his life and he was it was dying rather young from some things as a result of his lifestyle. Um, and he said, the Lord gave me one horse to ride and I killed me horse. <laughs> and it wasn't debauchery. No. It was overwork and not taking rest and not taking e- yeah. healthy food, sleep, exercise, all the things that we need to do. And Michelle, you would know as well as I would, there's times in pastoral ministry in life you have to redline it. And you've told me, we've talked about that. Yeah, it happens. It just does. It does. Uh, if it's always at the red line, mm-hmm. then it's a lifestyle. We need to we need to look at that. I really it's felt not... that stuff happened in November. People yeah. had health crises, stuff happened in my family, and all of a sudden I recognized that I hadn't had the things that I needed. And I remember you saying to me, sometimes we're in this red line season, there's actually not an option, mm-hmm. but I can snack. So you can't have a full meal, but I can have a snack. So I would just be so aware in those few little moments. I was in an airport. I was like, this is actually effectively by myself, even though there's lots of people around me. I did physical things like turn to a window and just in my head made myself aware that I can make this space the thing that I need, even though the loudspeakers are booming around. It's not the same as going for a peaceful walk in my idyllic, you know, countryside, but we can find him there. Yeah. We can find him there. So yeah, we acknowledge there are seasons when we can't, but we also need to be really honest with ourselves 
did I not take care of myself because it was easier to say yes to other people because I was finding some sort of sick identity in my busyness and importance. One person put it this way, uh, God loves you and everybody else has a plan for your life. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) And and, uh, there there will always be agendas all around you. Uh, But is that uh, God's agenda for you? And is it the best use of who he has given you? Because as a leader, the longer you go and the more you have influence, you're choosing now between good, better, best. It's not bad and good. It's this is okay. Yeah. This is great. Uh, you know, I can I can spend time with these people, or I can spend time with my wife who I haven't been with, or I can spend time with my kid. Like there's levels of importance, and that's what makes it more complicated. Is they're all important, but they there's we have to start looking at the ranking of those things and how we put the most important things into our life first, rather than what is most immediate. Mm -hmm. And that's what we talked about in our um, New Year's podcast Mm -hmm. of just because life is making demands on you doesn't mean Jesus is making those same demands. Mm -hmm. So the priority things need to be entered first and then things come in around them. So we we all know people that are like on the end of the spectrum of they're forever just having a quiet time with Jesus and you sometimes wish they would just go do something. And then you've got the people that never ever slow down and they create a sense of angst just in their presence because they're redlining it nonstop. What is your tip, trick, or filter, John, that you would say to people, here's how you're going to run down. What does a balance in this look like? Yeah. I, and again, some of it's personality. Mm-hmm. Let's understand, you know, some people need more replenishment of certain kinds of activities that are more reflective and off by themselves, etc. And And just owning that, I think, is important. So we um, are wired differently. We are wired very differently. And understanding how we're wired and what replenishes you, etc. Is your responsibility. Is your responsibility. There is also a responsibility as a leader, and I learned this, is I, I have a huge capacity to work long hours, and uh, etc., uh, I had staff, I had people in my church that I recognized that my leadership gave permission for them to do things that they couldn't handle. Hmm. Mm. My marriage could handle it. Theirs couldn't. Hmm. Uh, I uh, Physically, I was capable of doing that. They weren't. And so I had to start to look and say, okay, if I want to be really frenetic and busy, I can do that in a private realm, not in this public realm, because my public life gave permission to all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could go home and have projects there with my family, uh, and it didn't give the didn't give didn't give the sense that this was now my my church work, particularly when I started to have more staff. Mm -hmm. So, learning that again, our lives. Uh, give permission. We're an example. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to balance between what we're capable of uh, and what is most helpful for those around us, both positively and negatively. That's so good. That is like such a good perspective of just because you're capable of it as a leader doesn't mean that's something that you need to implement. If when you're looking at the people that are in your sphere, if that wouldn't actually be helpful for them to be at the capacity that you are, mm-hmm. because we're all different. Yeah, and I, as a leader, start to create what's normal. That's what's called culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good and positively. Yeah, and, you know, 
my behaviors say we should do this and those things can actually pull people forward to a positive future there's other things i can do can start to be counterproductive not sustainable for them Mm. and i became more mindful of that you know the more you go on you start to think you know just notice people can't handle that i better be careful because i'm saying you should uh by my behavior Mm. it's really important So as our listeners are evaluating all this, I hope there's been little nuggets for everybody. So if you pause and consider, what kind of an influencer do I want to be? What do you need to do to show up at your best? And what can you do to draw the best out of others? Mm -hmm. So as we look at those two questions, how can I be at my best and how can I help others to be at their best? We are encouraging ourselves and others to go further up and further in.